they're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Bye 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 bye. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Yeah, good actually. Good, good, good. It's There's... been um, lots been going on. It has a lot has been going on. I go away for one week, and a huge amount seems to happen in that in that small amount of time. I don't know why it is. Where were you? I was in the Lake District. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, amazing. So we running trails, doing doing a. Uh... Bob Graham round preview. And, Bob, uh, I did Bob Graham. I did double Bob Graham. Nice, nice. <laughs> or du- double BG, as they call it. Well, they just called it a uh, JR now. J- exactly. Yeah, the JR round. JR's yeah. round. That's a, that's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I even I even got them to to, to pull some um, uh, snow machines up there because I wanted to do both uh, do the uh, spring <laughs> one and the winter one at the same time, back to back. Clever, clever. And did you also wear a blindfold during the day just so it was? <laughs> absolutely i know it's incredible it's, I, the, the, the things i put myself through just to uh just to just to say i can do it you know and i yeah i don't like to make a big deal of it there was no there was no social media on it i just went up there just ran it you know nothing you know none of this uh none of this trying to get all this glory on social media uh that some of the people from the london marathon have been uh attempting but we'll talk about that another time <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so, well i mean you've, you've missed a monstrous two weeks even oh, i mean i think We'll save it for another episode as well about the running awards because, wow, that kicked off like never before. Yeah, so we've got the running awards. We've got um, the aftermath of the MDS, which, you know, this is why we've got this. Where would you, is this a special? I think it is. I think yeah. it is a special. We, you can tell we're doing specials because every time we do a special, we have a winner of some sort in there. A winner. Or a podium A podium. Well, well, a winner. It depends. Yeah. A future winner, maybe. A, a future winner or someone who's done rather well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, well, we're going to talk more about the overall MDS because so many do batters. They, they, they found out we were, we were something like the 14th biggest country at the MDS this year. That's amazing. Bad Boy Runners. That is yeah. utterly amazing. Just, was it just behind or just in front of Germany? <laughs> Bigger than Germany. I love that. You never want to be next to, to Germany. I mean, we could end up being Poland or something. Yeah, they could. And, and, well. Imagine uh, Fick Dick Kumpel, they may try to annex um, <laughs> the, the bad boy runners. Um, if that happens, then we, we, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we've, we've, we've got a special guest on today who, in my mind, came from nowhere, a bit like the London Marathon with the, the first Brit. Um, we're going to speak to Tom, uh, Tom's Davies. Oh, shit, that goes right. Tom Where Evans, isn't it? Tom Evans, God, that's how new he was. Tom, Tom was on last week, Tom Davies, talking about adventure racing. Whoopsie. <laughs> it's a new name to me, as, as it is to most people. Are you gonna, are you, you're not going to spring another surprise on it, saying he's a triathlete as well? He might be. To be honest, we know so little about his past that he's it not, could be that... His middle name's not Greg, is it? It's not... <laughs> it's Greg Markster. Or... Is he is he actually Moroccan? He's like one of the, his, his name is Tom um, Mohammed 
Evans or something, and he's. We well, think so from the way he ran. He was just a desert fox. But um, we we've got someone because first day of Marathon Sabla, what you normally expect is for big group of people to to run ahead. The Moroccans kind of bide their time. If you're going into June, the Moroccans let you go in the wrong direction, wait a bit, and then take control. But from nowhere, well, in, in my mind, and, and in terms of the, the, the build-up, the, the writing from people like Ian Corliss on the predictions, uh, Tom wasn't even mentioned. And suddenly, Tom leads out the Marathon de Sable by himself, first two checkpoints, storming through the fields. Um, and normally, insane... no, and normally you'd be going, "Oh, here we go, here we go." This, there's no, you know, this is a, a an early charge by some uh, some Johnny Come Lately who thinks he's going to hold on, and you know, because everything changes, doesn't it? Everything changes, uh, you know, after the first couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in in some ways it's three days building up to the long race um, and the long day, but wow, yeah, he just, especially as even if you're doing well, I mean, they they've had some. Recently, the Moroccans have just dominated, but they've had some strong Europeans, strong Americans come over. And even if you can potentially keep up with them running, they're going to decimate you with the tactics and the mind games and the fact that they can pair up, split, go in different directions and just run you ragged. Um, but yeah, Tom hung, hung on in there and ended up third overall. What? what? I mean, incredible. It's incredible absolutely unheard of i mean literally unheard of we've never had a brit on the podium ever i mean even danny at his very peak when he was smashing it i think only managed fifth i just so, i think it's worth it just to see those french faces just, to see. <laughs> yeah. just i mean that must that must be galling for them galling as galling <laughs> they're trying to adopt him now but let's <laughs> let's get him on i'm going to quickly call him in okay. and hopefully add him to the call you do how you doing hooray hey. welcome, welcome. I can't remember if we did just did an intro to they call you or not, but um, well, firstly, welcome to the podcast, Tom. You, um, Jody's naked, which is why he's hidden his screen currently. That's how I. <laughs> that's how I like to podcast. It is. It, it, yeah, it, it, I, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got an hour to get undressed, so <laughs> <laughs> you can make it happen. It's, it's completely yeah, in your own control. But um, we we've we haven't done a full. Uh, do we do a, a proper intro, JD, to Tom, just before we're recording then? Or should I do it now? Just do it now. Yeah, so Tom, this is, we're, we're going to be obviously talking to you about your, your past and training, what the race was like, um, but I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the podcast. We're not quite as serious as things like Talk Ultra or Marathon Talk, so we probably go into inappropriate territory, but filters just talk any crap you like. Uh, our listeners love it. So, uh, <laughs> but we've, as, you know, as we were saying, um, Tom in many ways came from nowhere, claimed third pace. So, well, firstly, welcome onto the podcast, Tom Evans. Yay! So, Tom, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question uh, that I seem to be answering quite a lot at the moment. Um, <laughs> so I'm 25 year old captain in the British Army um, and by all accounts, I see myself as not a runner, um, but I think that's hopefully going to change in, in the coming months and coming years. Um, currently serving with the Welsh Guards and yeah, run as, run as much as I can, live in London, um, just a, 
just a regular guy who likes running. But, I mean, you say you say you don't see yourself as a runner, but <laughs> we 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 caught up at the the running awards, and um, you you did drop in that you've run a two twenty marathon. Is is that right? Yeah, no, that's that is correct. <laughs> So, so, I mean, that's yeah, being have, humble. We, we have that's being foolish. <laughs> that typical, it's that typical British Army way, isn't it? Yeah, it was only 220. Yeah, yeah it's probably because there's some guy in the regiment who's yeah, run a no, 219. You're utterly ashamed. That's, that's a 220 in full kit and, uh, and weapon. <laughs> not, not, not a naked 220. No, no, much easier <laughs> naked. <laughs> when was that then? Uh, that was uh, middle of last year. Okay, so was that partly in? Did you have MDS on your mind at the time, or was um, that... slightly? I knew, I knew I was doing MDS, um, but it was not sort of really in the build-up. So my build-up for MDS hadn't really started. I hadn't got particularly focused uh, mm. on MDS. That's when he sort of picked up just before Christmas. Um, where I actually thought, God, I've entered MDS. I should probably start doing something specific <laughs> to this. Um, it's sort of never. Never really happened. Because um, have you been? Have you had postings out in? Um, I mean, most most wars now seem to be in sand for some reason. Um, have you have you found yourself in the desert a fair bit? Yes, yeah, so I was lucky enough to spend the majority of 2015 uh, in Kenya, about three hours north of Nairobi on the foothills of Mount Kenya, um, and then I, I've I raced raced out there in the Lewa Marathon, uh, which is absolutely amazing race uh, in pretty much a safari park. Uh, and a great, great experience uh, with a great party afterwards. What the uh, Welsh Army doing out in Kenya? We so we're out there. A a big exercise is run for the British Army. Yeah. Four times a year uh, in Kenya, and it's sort of practicing that expeditionary nature, expeditionary warfare, deploying out to a country, um, mm. and then sort of practicing in an extreme environment. So in Kenya, sort of with the heat. Um, is so with the racing as well. It it makes such a huge difference sort of, to your personal administration and how you how you go about looking after yourself. Um, and when I was there, I had managed to get a bit of time off. Went up to E10, mm. uh, trained for a couple of weeks uh, up there at the High Altitude Training Centre, and that sort of really sort of focused me back wow. on back onto running um, and sort of everything sort of just led from there. Because coming into the race, what? What honestly were your expectations, and did you did you have a good sense of what it was going to be like? And well, why did you why did you even decide to do it in the first place? That, I yeah. think that's that, that you know because that that might give an indication of you know why why you decided to do it. Yeah, so uh, would have been this time last year. Thought about sort of what I want to do, where I've seen myself in twelve months' time, and I've always been to into my fitness and into my endurance and my challenges sort of race. Racing to Ironman triathlons, and but never a never a multi-day running race. Um, so thought, so what what looks cheeky, what looks pretty hard. And I remember watching the James Cracknell documentary on MDS a couple of years ago. So thought, how does how does this work? Looked it up. A couple of mates had done MDS in 2013, 2014. Um, so just thought, yeah, it looks like looks like good fun. Uh, into sort of a weird way, uh, and it, what a great, great opportunity to do it. To sort of check my sort of my work uh, for April this year, um, and it was it was looking fairly free. So I thought, yeah, let's let's sign up to it. We're not really thinking about what the race is going to completely entail, uh, 
what I was the commitment that I was actually making. And then sort of going, had a really busy 2016 at work, uh, did a little bit of racing, raced the cross country season, uh, did a little bit of stuff on the track, a little bit of stuff on the road, but without really doing any training, sort of just would rock up to a race, do, would sort of run and then not think anything of it, go back to work. Um, and then, what is it come, and then, and then going back to the reason of why, I think a lot of a lot of people in the military like doing MBS as it reminds them, certainly the ex-military, reminds them of when they were in the army. So yeah. The hardships and sort of the, uh, the friendships that you make, the camaraderie sort of in, in the bivouac um, is very similar to sort of deploying, uh, whether it's on exercise or on operations uh, with the army. And also that self-sufficiency nature, it's about sort of looking after yourself um, when you may be sort of tired, really hot, dehydrated, and you, all you really want to do is go to sleep. But then it's, it's that, it's making sure that you're eating properly, you're hydrating properly, and then you're remembering that actually you've got, you've got to perform again at a high level the day after. So for me, that was sort of the real, the real reasons. And the race combined everything from the, sort of the endurance nature, of it sort of being 250 kilometers in the sand, fairly expeditionary, it, I knew it was going to be hard, but then also it was all that research that I could do before into it. So what what nutrition is going to work, what hydration is going to work, um, yeah, and that sort of self sufficiency nature alongside like minded people um, just seemed like a great opportunity. And then going into the race, I had I'd always said top top twenty would be absolutely amazing, uh, but that would that was sort of, in my opinion sort of fairly unrealistic um, as I'd never run, like I said earlier, I'd never run a multi-day race before, never run more than 70 kilometres uh, in a one never run on sand. So it was a, it was a real learning process uh, throughout the race. <laughs> so how, how did you end up, so you, you're going in there thinking top 20 would be nice, I know, how about I just lead out the first half of day one, that's surely the best, <laughs> best tactics. <laughs> That's not going to backfire in any way. I mean, what was the thinking there on the start line? Um, it's a great question. I don't I think, to be perfectly honest, I don't think I was thinking that much. I think the heat, <laughs> heat got to me. Uh, but no, I sort of went out, managed to start on the on the start line. The atmosphere was was absolutely incredible. I just think it shows sort of my inexperience in racing. Sort of, I had no no real tactics, no real plans to go out hard, but went out sort of after a kilometre and felt good. Um, so just decided to pick the pace up slightly to kind of expecting there to be a bit of a group going out look around after 10k um, and there was no one there uh, which was as much of a surprise to me as I think it was to everyone else that's always that's always a worry on the MDS yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the wrong way or must be doing something wrong there should be there should be other people here but no I felt I was always going to I'd done my sort of build-up training uh, at King's University uh, with Chris Howey uh, in the heat chambers there, which was, which was absolutely great um, and definitely helped my performance. But I was all doing everything, not off of the speed I was going, but it was all done on my heart rate. Um, so I was like, right, I'll go to MDS, and as long as I stay under, stay under this heart rate, I'll be absolutely fine. The one bit of kit that I left in the UK was my heart rate monitor. <laughs> 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 All sort of science or anything just went out the window. So I just thought, right, I'm just going to listen to my body. If it feels good, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And if it doesn't feel good, I'll, I'll come up with something else. Um, but 
yeah, so it felt felt strong. So he just just cracked on. So could almost feel the Moroccans of gaining some comes twenty to twenty seven kilometer stage on day one. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of just cruised past with ease. And when they when they actually met you, did they give you? Could you could you sense they were actually checking you out and sizing you up? I think I think after finishing day one, they just thought, "Who on earth is this bloke?" And mm. there's absolutely no way that he's going to be able to keep this keep this going through uh, for the rest of the week. And to be perfectly honest, that's 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 rather what I was thinking as well. Um, and some days starting on day two, so didn't have wasn't sort of much talking on the on the start line to before the 40k stage mm. uh, sort of fairly subdued no one's really paid any attention i think so just rather thinking right this bloke was all right yesterday let's see what he does today not really expecting not really expecting anything to come from it um mm. but again i felt good uh on the race and sort of just just ran with them uh, which is just the most surreal and the most incredible experience like i said earlier on in the podcast managed when I was in when I was in Kenya did a bit of running in E10 uh, and it was amazing running with the Kenyans sort of those those sort of track athletes those marathon runners sort of such high pedigree athletes mm. uh, it's a it's a niche sport that with the desert running and the desert ultra is even more niche and being able to run with the best in the world at such a niche sport and such a niche discipline was just just such a surreal experience um, and I realized we're starting on day two right this whole sort of sand running in the heat isn't like running on on the South Downs where I live uh, back in the UK, uh, <laughs> fairly different. I've got a lot to learn, um, so I just thought for day two, right, just stay with the group, see what happens, try and learn as much as you can, try and pick up some little bits of technique. How do you run on the dunes? So the route selection when you're going through the dunes is it's not they may not necessarily follow the exact path um, point to point. There, so take the Take the path of least resistance, which um, may end up being longer, but you're sort of saving yourself in the long run. So it was it was so interesting running with them, and I think it's a day. By the end of day two, I think they re- the Moroccans, Rashid, Mohammed, Abdulaziz, Aziz, sort of they realised that I may be with be with them for the week, um, which is amazing. So they they sort of fully accepted me. Sort of by the end of at the end of day two, sort of handshakes and stuff which is which is absolutely amazing it's so nice so humbling to, to be embraced by them um which is great because um, i was quite surprised by their results actually because i mean rashid's the the big name he's he's won it what, five times in a row but I, th- I think on day one or day two it was actually mohammed who'd who'd gone ahead and who was who was leading um do, do you think that was a tactic of theirs or was Rashid just slowly building up still? I'm not sure. Yeah, Mohammed won one stage one to win a. They sort of picked the speed up in the last in the last K or so uh, mm. and picked brother to sign. I think his brother, I think Rashid, the more far more experienced runner who's been training Mohammed. I think he knew that he had it in him, but he just thought, Look, what's the point? He knows he's going to carry on throughout the week uh, and just go from strength to strength. And he is such such a great athlete, um, mm. and he, and I'm sure. Yeah, he's won one MDS five times, and I'm sure he'll go on uh, to achieve bigger and more as, as incredible things. But every every day, Rashid would start slowly. He would never be so up in the front pack in the first couple of kilometres. He'd sort of yeah. really get into it, um, get in, get into rhythm, get into routine, get into his stride, uh, and then he would then sort of come up and join us. And then in the last, in the closing closing third of the race, is when he'd then really push on. 
and I think so we've been asked a bit so do you think that was a tactical do you think he wasn't feeling great but he's mm. he's a superb runner almost similar to what we see Mo doing and what Mo did at the Olympics and he's mm. starting slowly at the back nice and relaxed just getting his head into the race seeing what's out there in front um, and then having that confidence as he knows he is such a fantastic athlete uh, to really put the pedal down um, and then sort of stop stop picking up the speed and sort of working his way through up into that lead group and then out in front and then he finished except for day one and the last day he finished all the stages and fairly went in front of everyone else when with when you're in a group like that what what would you say were like the 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 like three or two or three most surprising things that you discovered about um running in that terrain um so the first one's the route selection they took. On the on some day one, I was just just looking in the dunes. I was just looking up, seeing seeing those the markers um, and the markers is mm. a, a little pile of stones, spray painted pink. So yeah. fairly easy, no real chance of getting lost. I would sort of see that and just go sort of beeline straight towards that. Whereas running in a group of the Moroccans, they will all end up going different ways. So you just think, right, which one looks which one looks the best um, and so just try and follow them um, so there's a first of the, just the technique and, and then leading on to the technique of and is that sorry, sorry is that running on the tops of the dunes or around the dunes what, what, what was it were there different variations of different things they were doing yeah um, so Rashid would just go as a sort of incredible as a smaller athlete compared to someone like Samir Rashid would just go pretty much straight um, and he would then really accelerate going up the dunes and spending as little time as possible so on the face of the dune, where someone like Samir or uh, Abdulaziz would go to take a slightly longer route, um, trying to sort of keep the height as best possible. Right. Um, so it was, it, was, it was just really interesting to see how they did it. And it did, it did vary. I don't think there's a, a gold-plated solution. If you do this, you'll beat the Moroccans. I think it's just sort of getting as much experience and trying to read read the ground as best as possible as all the sound was different um, yeah. and in some places it was hard some places it was soft um, so yeah I think it was just it was just sort of trying to learn trying to learn as best possible but then one one really good thing that I picked up from them was just their checkpoint drills were significantly better significantly quicker than mm. mine or any Europeans they, they carry sort of proper water bottles they just take the water bottle that they're given chuck it in the front of their vest um, and then carry on going. Whereas for me, I'm there frantically trying to put noon tablets in one and then spilling half of the water. And it, it just took, it ended up taking a lot longer. But things like on the on the approach in 500 metres to go, you're finishing both bottles of water and you're taking your salt tablets. And then so it's just as smooth and as slick as possible when you're going through the checkpoints. Um, so are they are they taking electrolytes and things like that, or no, uh, gels, or they take they take two salt tablets um, just on approaching the checkpoints, uh, yeah, and, just, and then some some food that I couldn't begin to explain what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, never, it wasn't a caffeine bullet, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't one of my energy gels. No. And and in terms of their their navigation, then do you did you get a sense that they knew where they were, or were they? following a marker that they could see long in the distance or were they still using the the, the boulder to boulder um navigation i th- i think they did the race was pretty similar to the route was pretty similar to 
2016, but just in reverse. So I think I think they knew it, or they knew roughly. And as as you would, this is their this is their sort of their training area. This is where they do the vast majority of their training. Um, but yeah, they were they were staying staying pretty close to the to the markers uh, at all times. But it would be interesting to see sort of the a satellite image of where the elite runners went compared to where the guys walking went and I would have thought it'd be a fairly different route. And the elite runners probably cover a couple more over the course of the week, probably cover a couple more kilometers um, to taking slightly better routes that will conserve energy in the long run, but maybe slightly longer, but you can keep the speed up and keep your rhythm and routine. Um, but for me, I was just, I, I certainly at the beginning didn't have the confidence to, to go off on my own and yeah. find this good route. But sort of by the end, you, you pick up on these things on these things really quickly. Um, as of on the last day, on the marathon stage, it was, I sort of then had the confidence of running in a group to sort of break off ever so slightly or when we got into a sandy section, mm. not to worry about, right, I've got to stay two paces behind Mohammed, And so that I had the, sort of the slight confidence just to do my own thing, which was great. And to sort of show that I wasn't picking up these things uh, during the race and had been, had been taught by the best. And if you needed to stop to have a wee and stuff, was that... Do you feel, oh, no, I'm losing a bit of time here? Or, you know, just, the, just think of the practical stuff. Yeah, the, the practicalities of that isn't, isn't great. Much easier for a guy. Um, but I, I ended up being so dehydrated for most of it. Um, I didn't really need to stop for a week. Oh, really? But having, having said that, uh, on, the, on the long stage, I had a, uh, a bit of an upset tummy um, for, for about 10K between... 35 and 45 kilometers and that was yeah, that wasn't the most practical uh, <laughs> that was, yeah that was that was pretty emotional <laughs> and, and when they're running as their group are they are they hammering into each other are they battling out or do they almost have a they're, they're working together until the last 2k mentality and then the fight begins they're very very much working together um anyway yeah it was which, which is great, and we're taken in turns. We're taken in turns to lead, um, and I think they like to. On to what they're slightly. I much prefer the running in the open areas. If you're crossing a, a dried out lake or mm. just vast expanse, that's when I when I've gone to elements of similar to road running. Um, and when in the afternoons, when the wind started picking up, I tend to find myself in front of Moroccans because I think they were sort of using me as of their windshield. I'm. I'm significantly bigger than they are. Uh, mm. I think for them it was it, it was it just made their running much easier in some energy conservation. They, those are the parts where those are the parts where I sort of felt felt much stronger with sort of the open grounds, more similar to the running that I've been doing before. Um, so were you not rotating the lead during the salt flats and things like that? Uh, we'd try. I'd sort of go out for a little bit and then try and tuck in behind, but then a minute later. Everyone were just tucked in behind me again. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Was there? Was, it, was everyone talking? Was or was it just very much like quiet? Were there? Were there bants? Or was uh, it... <laughs> I, I tried. My my French is particularly limited, um, but had a I'm trying to have a couple of conversations, and but most of the time they were just worried about the race. I was there for this amazing life changing experience, yeah. seeing Morocco for the first time, and so I. Sort of point out and say, "Oh, look at those camels over there," <laughs> which they had absolutely no interest in. Um, but most of the time, on the on the long stage, so on the eighty-six kilometer stage, they yeah. fought. I was with 
uh, Mohammed for sort of the last twenty thirty k. It's just me and him. We we spoke a little bit and we we ended up running it running it together, taking turns to lead, uh, which is great. So, so we're talking talk about some, the speed we were going, that it was all right, and right, let's stay a bit of energy and have a quick walk now. Um, so that, that so that was good. But no, it's limited on limited on the banter front. And so you didn't pick up that there was this one word that you didn't know the meaning of that they kept on saying and laughing, and then you realised kind of after five days, it was a derogatory French term that was your new nickname. No, they've been they 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 were absolutely amazing. They were so kind, so humble, um, and sort of since I've I've spoken to them all uh, since the race is finished, and they're just mm. absolutely amazing athletes and just gen- genuinely really nice guys as well. Um, and so I'm very very much looking forward to seeing them in the future, whether it's in NDS in Morocco uh, or it's on other races on UTWT. So coming up to the long day then, you've, I mean, you're, you're sat in you third or fourth after three days. Uh, fourth, I think. Yeah. Fourth. And, and so, I mean, you came out of that day in third. Um, were yeah. you, how confident were you having not done something like that before? Um, for me, it was just a massive massive learning experience um i'd raced in i'd raced in the beacons ultra uh in november and that was of my first i was training in wales anyway weekend and saw a couple of race markers out and so popped into them as the running shop nikes in brecon uh and they said oh yeah there's a race on tomorrow so just asked by any chance there any spaces like, yeah we've had someone drop out I ended up sort of buying buying all of my kit from trainers the bag to waterproof trousers mm. uh, and gave gave it a crack and that was that was gonna be the longest i'd run by good 20 kilometers so that I, I learned a lot on that race and then so i knew i knew i could do it uh my body felt great starting on the long day better than i was worried about day three um, yeah the, the hilly technical day uh the randy simmons another gb athlete uh very good a very technical runner um done UTMB a couple of times and is is very good. He went out hard on day three, so I was a bit worried about that. Um, but so day four was really sandy. So by this time, I had that slight confidence running in the sand and I was getting to grips with it to a certain extent. Um, but to me, it was it was just the, the common point of the race. It was, it was such a great learning experience. It was completely new. It was a real, real challenge. Um, I just absolutely thrived with. And just I just I just really broke the race down into the, sort of these small manageable chunks. Whether it was getting to checkpoints or it was knowing that right I've got eight miles to go, which is a an eight miles of a, is a, one of the standard British Army fitness tests, eight miles, and then one that's five miles, and then a mile and a half. So I just kept breezing it down into distances that I know I knew, yeah. training routes that I've done. Then right, I know I've got five miles to go and sort of almost just imagine myself sort of being on being on a training area or being on the South Downs. Like, right, I know I know how far I've got to go. I know how long it's gonna take me. I'm just trying to imagine there's something else. Um, and it, it, it to me for me it worked and I I absolutely loved the long the long day. Uh, and it was for me it was my best performance. Um, and I think the majority of the races that I will I will now go into will be of a, a slightly longer one one stage but longer race because how were all the brits um reacting to, firstly to the news you know that you, you're doing so well but then on the long day you start 
three or so hours behind them and so you get to pass the whole field i mean was was there a huge amount of support yeah the support the support was absolutely amazing so firstly from from the british athletes uh, out on the race and i was i was lucky enough to be doing doing marathon de Sabre, raising money for walking the wounded mm. uh, the welsh guards charity uh, walking the wounded had a had a great team out there um likes of Duncan Slater, double leg amputee. Yeah. Absolutely amazing job uh, in completing it, being the first double amputee to complete it. Mm. Uh, to Oscar Dalglis, 16-year-old, on his doing his AS levels, currently in half term, thought that it'd be a good experience. Amazing. Yes, and he's got, he's, a, he's, yeah, he's in the lower sixth at Charterhouse School and his half of his mates are off in their skiing chalets with their parents. Uh, <laughs> he, he was out with his dad in the Sahara and did an absolutely amazing effort achieving it. At the age of 16, there's absolutely no way that I was in the right mental or physical state. Yeah. Either. Where did he end up? Um, they did pretty well. They, they finished uh, top 400, which is better than, better than they had planned. Um, yeah. But so it was, it was amazing having sort of these a real different mix of people mm. In the in the tent that I was in, uh, from ex ex Irish regiment sergeant who was shot in the head in Afghanistan to an ex Coldstream Guards officer, um, to then just normal normal guys who um, work in property uh, and guys who own a gym in London, uh, and it was amazing having that different mix of people, and that's the same for that's seen on a much broader scale uh, in the MBS as a whole. You've got people there for all different guys there running it competing in it and then you've just got the guys out there to complete it each an amazing achievement and going oh. the other brits was just amazing to so them they've looked they've seen that you're a british athlete right at the front and they would just give absolutely everything they've got so, so much shouting and cheering and it was just so humbling to, to get it from them that's sort of where it really really hit home that it's people are rooting for me they are sort of right behind me um during the race, but then also the, the email system set up by MBS. That all the runners went onto the website and typed in the uh, typed in their race number. You could send you could send an email, and the support from friends and family, but even more so from complete strangers I've never met who have been tracking the race and watching how the progress is getting on. Just absolutely amazing, and incredibly kind of them to take, take the time out of day to support us. On this amazing journey, we found ourselves in crossing this path, uh, and that really, that really helps help me uh, get on with with the race itself. Um, and it, it's just really, really inspiring. And sort of in those moments where your mind's losing focus and you're sort of trying to not think about how much your body's hurting, it's just so nice of going back to going back to things that people have said, and then you'll end up running past a group of British. British athletes out there and they'll sort of start cheering for you. Um, but no, it's absolutely amazing. And, I, and when I went past, I'd sort of try and, try and give as much encouragement as I could. Um, yeah. Even though probably none of it made any sense at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you were in your tent, you mentioned that everyone there was, was pretty much uh, a current or former uh, you know, army or, or, or serving officer. Of, uh, was there any pulling rank? You know, did it suddenly return to army life? And did it? Fit, you know, were, were were people almost slotting in as if the you know, the majors in charge, the captains number two, or or oh, was no. it a group of friends? So we had a 
we had a whole mixture. Our so the person in charge of the tent, in charge of our tent, was completely non-military. Rosie, she uh, she works for a charity looking after um, service personnel who've been injured. And she was she was known as our tent mum. Yeah. There was this running joke that as soon as she came back in, we would also jump onto our feet and start tidying, tidying the tent, making sure. She, <laughs> she was a matron. Yeah, precisely. She was she was our matron. She was she was very much in charge. Uh, she'd never admit it, but she, yeah, she she definitely wore the trousers in in our tent, um, and we was a, we'd do absolutely everything everything for her. But no, she was she was amazing, and she had she was there um, looking after Martin. Parachute regiment sergeant who was shot in the head uh, in Afghanistan. Yeah, and she, she uh, they didn't run at all. They went up there to just complete it. Um, and of seeing them come, seeing some of the other all the other athletes who've gone up there just to have this amazing journey, and this amazing experience, and seeing their feet hobbling in five, ten hours after I'd finished, I'd been resting. It's experiences vary so much in any mm. race even more yeah. so in long races like MDS and I've just, I've just so so much respect and admiration for people who take these challenges and spend such a long time on their feet in the sand and in the heat um, and it's just it's just incredible how, how people do it and because and my my impression of the the, arm, the soldiers that I know who've entered MDS, they all tend to take about 20 kilograms of food and then have every type of equipment they could possibly have. And they'll say, well, you know, I normally I normally do full exercise with 40 kilograms. So this is nothing. I mean, were you, you in terms of your kit, how how good do you think you got it? How close to perfection were you? Or was there was a lot of errors that you made, do you think? Um I, I did quite a lot of research before, um, so reading reading different articles. And I, I, the most important thing for any race like this is you've got to decide where you see yourself, mm. what type of competitive you're going to be. Uh, and like the majority of people who go into it, they right, I'm going to be here for this amazing adventure. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to lose too much weight. It's obviously important to lose the weight swimming pool at the hotel after you, yeah you just got to decide to where you see yourself so for me i i wanted to run most of it so i wanted to be as light as possible yeah so i was reading some articles from danny kendall wrote a good re- report after his race and there are a couple of other um, reports from athletes like elizabeth that i i looked through and sort of looked at the kit that they were taking some of the choices that they were making mm. um and I, I think my kit was, if I was doing it again now, there'd definitely be a couple of changes. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't far off. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't unhappy with anything. Um, I didn't, I made some choices, like not, bringing a, not bringing a sleeping mat, and that was absolutely fine. Yeah. You, you, there, there are ways and means to sort of double up the carpet on the floor. And the yeah, and get classic. Yeah. <laughs> Or if you're, or if you're really jacked, you can you can triple it over. Um, so you're sort of sleeping on sort of a tiny, tiny bit, uh, but you're fairly comfortable. So I bought a couple of luxury items. I bought a, I bought an inflatable pillow, uh, which was great and would recommend to absolutely anyone. Um, but things like with, I didn't have any proper shoes to wear in the evening, so I had these insoles with a little bit of string attached. <laughs> they worked to a certain extent, but. It was just an absolute nightmare trying to get anywhere. So you end up just doing nothing or waiting for someone to come in so you can borrow their shoes uh, to do anything. But I was, 
my feet were fine. I was I was really lucky. My trainers worked, um, and I was wearing hokers. Some people, some people hate, some people love. Me, they were great. Um, I then went with a with a tight, a tight press sport shorts, which the Moroccans don't wear. The Moroccans like to the open airy ones. For me, this worked. Salomon t-shirt, Salomon bag, all worked really well. One thing that I would change, my bot- the bottles that I took were, were probably a bit small. I had 650 milliliter ones uh, and would recommend slightly bigger ones. And for me, it was all right, just about because I was getting between checkpoints fairly quickly. Yeah. But there were a couple of moments where had the checkpoints been a kilometre or two further apart or it been a little bit warmer, then water situation may have been a little bit different. But as it was, it was absolutely fine. But I think for the weight saving compared to the value additives and the hydration you can get, the bigger the better one. And the, because before I went on the MDS, Jody was talking about the dynamics of a tent and how you always have you know, the one guy who's kind of a lead, then you have the person who has uh, taken way too much food and the people who are walkers. Uh, but there's one, t- and there's one wing nut as well. There's always a wing nut, someone who you're like a complete live wire, who you wonder, how did he get in this tent? <laughs> <laughs> Which is always the one you're going to worry about. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, did you, because of the nature of the people in the tent, I mean, you've got people like Duncan who's coming back and having to obviously take huge care over um ensuring he doesn't get blisters when he's applying his legs and did, did that actually change the, the dynamic of the tent compared to others do you think um i don't know i think um i think because a lot of us knew each other before we went out um we'd had walking with the wind were fantastic in sort of organizing events for us to get to know each other slightly but then also just talk through the race just so there were everyone knew exactly what they themselves into um and you know, the tent was amazing. It was so nice having such a different mix of people. Um, mm. You're all you're in sort of a, a tent with seven elite runners and hundred contestants. For me, it was so important to getting back in the evenings. We'd just have asked each other, oh, "How did the run go today?" Yeah, this was great. This was bad. And then just be able to drop it and just talk about completely different things uh, and almost sort of just take your mind off the racing. For me, mm. so the first couple of days, it was fine hadn't started building up much pressure on as I was still didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know how my body was going to react. But then when you're sat in sat in fourth place after day three, going into the long day, you're starting to put a little bit of pressure on yourself. Uh, and you're starting to get a little bit nervous uh, about it all. So it was so nice just being able to speak to like minded people. All we've had some fairly similar experiences. Uh, but just about completely different things and you end up just chatting about incredibly random things that just just, just pass the time it was great rather than having to focus entirely on the race i was out there for more than just the race i was out for the experience um so definitely the tent life is something that really adds to the experience of MMBS. yeah um and for me it was it was absolutely absolutely amazing so in terms of in terms of like you know the army army background and um, the the training, obviously you can see how that transfers to tent life really well. And you know in 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 our tent, um, the army guys and the and ex army guys, you know they had their routines down and stuff, and we learnt loads from them. But what 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 do you think um, you took um, or you've taken from like your 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 training um, for the actual the physical aspect of it and the and the sort of the environmental aspects to it? So I think it's just 
it's sort of just being able to look after yourself uh, in a in a harsh environment. So whether it's whether it's cold, whether it's sort of in the Brecon Beacons uh, in the winter, in the snow, or for me, it was going out to Kenya um, and experiencing that heat. Just sort of learning about how you how to cope with the different things. And also the same principles still apply. So being able to check in on your body and make sure that you are drinking, you are eating. Um, and for me, sort of normally as an officer, you're out there. Your sort of job is to command, but then also to look after um, the soldiers under your command. So for me, on this, being able to go out on the race and to just focus on myself for the race yeah. was great. And it was, it, it almost, almost made it easy that you could sort of just totally focus on yourself. And then when you got back into uh, back into the tent in the evening is when you could sort of start looking after other people in your tent and, sort of, and the other athletes out there. But I think physically, the a lot of the work we do is much slower it's also walking a little bit of very slow jogging carrying much heavier weight yeah um, and that sort of just help build up from that foundation strength in your legs so when you were going over the jebel um or going over the dunes you did have that that strength you used to carrying slightly heavier um but not running um you know i've, I've got a lot lots of the army for my uh, on some physical points. But I think for me, it's mainly, mainly sort of that mentality when you go into the race. Yeah. Because no, what got, kind of mileage have you, had you been training in the build-up? Uh, so my, uh, during the sort of end of the summer, um, I was sort of doing somewhere between sort of 80, 1800 miles, uh, 100 miles of being one of peak weeks. And sort of from November to the end of February, uh, I was away with work uh, mm. on it. So I ended up not doing much training at all, probably averaging maybe 20 miles a week. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, so li- literally nothing. And then that was not getting much sleep, eating pretty badly, mm. uh, not really recovering. <laughs> uh, so uh, that made it sort of fairly, that made it sort of fairly difficult. Um, mm. But then was sort of getting back, I, I took myself off to Lanzarote for a week uh, and got up to... Did sort of did a bit of build up week for Lanzarote, 100 miles, and then 120 miles in, in Lanzarote the week after, uh, and then started a two week take. So my mileage was was pretty lumpy um, yeah. throughout. And I did a little bit of a little bit of racing of the cross country season uh, for my local club Lewis, uh, and also race for Sussex uh, in the inter counties um, cross country. But that was. Ne- Performers were never that good, so they were always at the end of never did any form of tape for them, always just did it as a bit of a race on the weekend to go after after a big week of mileage. Um so my my training was was really varied and really mixed to, with the mileage. And a lot of people ask us, so what's your sort of typical go-to session or what's your what's your favorite session that you do? I don't think I've, I think I've ever done the same session twice. Um, so I've just got no real no real benchmark doing also what's your four times eight minutes of speed you want I've got absolutely no idea um, <laughs> so, so I mean it, it looks as if if you, if you can get some kind of structure behind you uh, for next year then there's actually a lot of ways in which you could you could improve your, your speed and, and your endurance then yeah I, I hope so and have the, the support that I've received so far sort of since getting back to so lots of lots of great offers um, mm. the British Army being being fantastic and hopefully I will get a little bit of time off to do 
decent more training. Um, the rest of the season, I'll be racing in the Autojo World Tour. Um, I'm racing in Eiger. Also, next month, I'm racing in the UK 100k champs, the Anglia Celtic Plate, which will be the furthest, the furthest that I've run again. But it should be, should be great. And then racing in Eiger in Switzerland, which is a 101 kilometer race, which will be, which will be great. And that's part of the, part of the Ultra Trail World Tour. So it'll be another, another great learning experience for me. Um, and the support that I've had from sort of guys who are on the tours. Asking if I wanted to come out and do a bit of training with them and do a bit of coaching and just asking about kit. Because for me, I'm just, I see myself as such an inexperienced runner. I uh, mm. just want to learn, learn as much as I can from anyone who's really willing to offer me any advice. And so, so going back to day, day five, well, not the, not the rest day, but the, 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 the final day, the marathon day. Yeah. You're, you're sat in third place. You've got is it five, ten minute lead potentially. On fourth, um, did did the Moroccans then, or at any other stage, did they play any games, or did they have any strategies to try and disrupt you, or to, to try and ensure their man came third? Uh, not really. They went out went out really slowly on on the marathon day on stage five, uh, and it was the going was pretty good. And I wanted to I wanted to motor off because it was nice and open, but didn't want to be in that same place I found myself on day one, way out in front. At this point, this is where you really don't want the wheels to fall off and you don't want to hit that wall. Um, it's of all the hard work. I didn't want to undo all the hard work that I'd done during the week. So I was just, just sort of stuck with it. Um, the Peruvian runner uh, was out uh, doing really well, running really well. Um, but he was, uh, he's, a, he's dropped off about halfway. Um, but it was just, it was difficult to know how to run it. So by by halfway from my body, it started feeling the calorie deficit. Um, mm. If I'm a 75-ish kilo athlete, uh, and I was on just under two and a half thousand calories a day, which for the week was enough, but I started feeling pretty tired by the end. So I just wanted to make sure that I stuck with it. So dug deep, and so just stick with the pace as best as I could. Knew that I had a little bit of time over fourth place, as long as disease didn't beat me by too much um, mm. I was going to be pretty happy and same same principle like with the long day the, the top 150 starts an, an hour behind so going past the other athletes and this is they sort of realise realize now that right, this bombs in third place are doing doing much better than expected uh, mm. I mean the support was the support was absolutely amazing it was really harrowing really humbling um, it's a calm calm thank the other British and just all other countries um, for that support. It was absolutely amazing. It really did really keep me, myself, um, I imagine some of all the other, all the other guys there. Mm. And, and so I, I guess the plan is to head back next, next year and, and try and see if you can push yourself higher up the podium. Yeah, that, that's that's the plan. And so hoping that my build-up will be, will be much better. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking to to give running a go um, full time yeah. for, for the coming months. Focusing on my ultras, but then trying to improve on my marathon time um, in October this year. Uh, so an exciting exciting time. For me. Yeah, with have got the eyes currently are set on set on MBS next year. Um, mm. Having having said that. Uh, my my mother has mentioned that 
she would like to do MDS next year. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. And I'm not, it would be, it'd be, it'd be absolutely amazing um, to do it with her. I think I would just end up worrying far too much. Yeah. 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 Has she done anything similar? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she's, doing, she's, doing the, she's doing the three peaks challenge uh, this summer. Um, yeah. And, and we'll smash. And she, she is fit. She goes to the gym a lot. But for, and it just shows that the race is so, the race is very achievable. And if you put your mind to it and you can get into the mindset that, right, I can complete it, even if you are going out as a walker. Uh, yeah. It is, it is very doable. And it's not, Yes, it is. It is a very tough race, and it has been called the toughest race on earth. But if you if you can get in get into that mentality, the mentality is more important than the physicality you actually need for it. And if you if you can put yourself in that mental place of right, you know you're going to be you're going to be tired and hungry uh, and not shower for a week. But if you can get into that, just embrace it as much as possible. Then you can have you can have a great time and do do incredibly well on the race. And and, and what are you going to be changing next year? Do you think to to get you up that extra place um i think just spending time in a similar environment my my climatization was i thought for me was was great uh, not knowing much on it so i went to went to kingston university with chris howie and he was he was absolutely superb um but also did did a bit of hot yoga before so just to try and get that sort of core body temperature lower uh, and your heart rate staying low, so you can work a bit harder. But I think if you were to spend, if you're fortunate to be able to spend a couple of weeks, months or so out in a similar environment, um, then getting used to that sort of terrain, whether it's sort of the jebels and the sharp stones or it's the sand, but I think that would put you at a significant advantage. And I've had I've had some some great offers of going out to Morocco or the UAE. Uh, to do some training, desert trail runners, which would be absolutely amazing, and we'll, we'll definitely take them up on that. And I think it's, I think it's just getting, getting that mileage in that environment and just acclimatizing as best you can uh, to the race. Um, my nutrition as well. I thought my nutrition was good. Um, and a great, great new uh, supplement brand, OG Supplements, um, and they supported me through the race. And uh, Ollie was really useful uh, in some talking about my nutrition, but just breaking it down, because I wasn't sure how long it was going to take me each stage. I ended up just having sort of slightly, in the afternoon, just having slightly bigger meals. But I ended up then eating my last bit of food at about half four or five o'clock in the evening, just because I was so bored and so hungry. And, and just after being sat in the tent for a couple of hours. So I think I'd break my food down slightly more and sort of have maybe a little bit more food, base it out slightly more, uh, just so... You don't get too bored. Uh, so it's kind of snacks through the, the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah so snacks, snacks through the afternoon. Um, my hydration my hydration was good. So we used precision hydration, uh, which really worked. And then uh, they're going to support me for the rest of the year, which is incredibly kind. Um, but uh, apart from that, I didn't think there's not that much. But then if you, you then were to acclimatise properly, then as a European athlete, you wouldn't need to drink hopefully you need to drink as much water so you can maybe try and implement not carrying any of your own water bottles and just using the water bottle that you're given mm. uh, if you get used to it so there's all all of these things sort of to play around with and just to see if you can use it so slightly slightly high risk but i was i was chatting about it yesterday um about some way you can make make up some extra time um and i i reckon i was spending at least 
30 seconds more at each checkpoint. Yeah. Rashid and Mohammed. There's about 20 checkpoints in the race, and that's that's 10 minutes there. Yeah. Uh, and it all adds up. And in a, the race, we ran it in just under 19 hours. Um, so 10 minutes is 10 minutes is pretty big. Um, it's a pretty big margin. And if you can make these, get these extra couple of percentage improvements, uh, then they all they all end up adding up. Um, so one percent here, one percent there, and afterwards you realise that actually you've ended up making making quite a lot of difference. Um, you made made up quite a lot of time. I mean, you've actually got a, potentially a slight advantage in that the the way the numbering works, all the Moroccans are grouped together. So when a group of four Moroccans come through to the first checkpoint, they actually have to queue to get yeah. the bottles of water while they write the number on. Where as a Brit, you're the first one into the higher numbers. So actually you can get through if you if you can actually transition at the same speed they do they'll yeah. either have to come with you or three of them are going to get, get left behind and if yeah. you do that every single checkpoint that could potentially be a real advantage yeah definitely and the the brit and that that's that's amazing the the other brits were amazing so on the long stage on the marathon stage when i was coming through they would all they would get out of the way and sort of let mm. me let me rush through and that's i can't can't thank thank them enough for that but no that's definitely that's definitely a place where you can certainly shave off, shave off a couple of minutes. But then it's also that effort. Yeah, I'm not spending 30 seconds longer there, and then working much harder to try and catch up with the group, so I can yeah. find back rather than an individual, um, and then keep running for another somewhere between nine and 13k to the next checkpoint. So I think that it's those little details that that high-level performance, like in all sport, you've got to really focus on these small small areas may seem slightly insignificant but mm. do actually add up to quite a lot uh if done well so do, do you think you're gonna have to rethink the actual bag so that you have actually a, a, something where you can just slot a whole two liter bottle into a front pouch or yeah i think so i think i think having a lot of people did it with front pouch i didn't do it the front pouch i did the salomon s lab 20 liter bag which is absolutely amazing i think it was a lot of people who came up and just asked about the bag and uh, thought it was a great bag, and it really was. But it's just, it's just figuring out that bottle situation. There was no way that I could attach that two, that liter and a half bottle of water anywhere on the front. And unless I think unless you can get to the front bag really tight, I think it'll just end up annoying you, bouncing around uh, all over. It's interesting to see that the, the guys who've done it, the European athletes have done it before. Um, Elizabeth Barnes, she doesn't, she uses two normal water bottles. Um, it just, almost just seems to be the Moroccans and the Jordanians uh, go, go for this approach. So whether whether it's not possible to acclimatise or the Europeans just need more water, who knows? It's, it's something that it's something I'll definitely be trying out um, into heat acclimatisation and build up for next year's race. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of water that I took, I, I never really used my second bottle. And so... Um, I, I certainly lost time on doing the the smaller bottles, but I'm, I'm sure there is a way, especially in a whole year, in which you can develop a bottle top that you take your own that's automatically linked up to a um, a bladder, and so, well, it's, it's to the tube at least, and so you just unscrew the top, screw your top on, which is already attached to a a, a tube, and then you just clip that into uh, to where you normally drink from. Yeah, and I think if you could design, if you could just slightly change the um, that element of it, that would be so much easier. And, and you can even drop a 
a noon tab in there. You know, that, that doesn't yeah. particularly take time. It's if you're having to decant a bottle, a whole bottle into another bottle. That's the real yeah, killer. Time. And then you end up spilling half of it. And so yeah. I'm, I will be sort of pushing out. And I'm sure I'm hoping some, some sort of kit from some bag companies and whoever are sort of thinking, starting to think about MBS. It is a, it is a huge market. So like yeah. where, what do the runners want? What do the runners yeah. need? And I think that's, that's definitely somewhere, something that could be examined sort of in, in the coming months and years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and from having seen how the Moroccans run when they've got their front pouch, it actually makes a lot of sense because it counterbalances so well the yeah. weight on your back. Um, and so it might actually even be better for just getting complete balance over the shoulders of the weight and the, the distribution, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And it, as long as you can get it tight, then and that's the, these sort of people going around, and it, it, it's not particularly tight, and it's just, just bouncing up and down um, the BNI. Line. But then it also having that front pouch there means that you've got your nutrition so easily accessible. Uh, I was lucky enough, my, my bag was incredibly well designed. I had two big pouches on the front and had hydration in one, nutrition in and it, it worked really well. It was really easy. Uh, but yeah, the, if you've got a, a huge pouch there, then you've just got you've just got that space and that extra accessibility for whether it's your head top or you need to get your buff out or worst worst case scenario, you need to get you need to get your roadmap out uh, and your compass. Is mine. If I if I got lost, I need to look at it. My my roadbook and compass were on my bag. Well, I mean, that, or then again, that could be down to, I, I could talk to you about that. Um, because I think even just changing your shorts slightly so you've got more pockets and having your um, compass clipped to your water, um, the little token that you get clipped to, to get your water. I yeah. always had the compass there and actually it, it then meant everything was accessible. And, uh, you know, you, you'd set up your, comp your compass um, bearing to the bearing that it said was going to be in the dunes. So, yeah. When you got to the dunes, you wouldn't even have to look at the road, but you just pull out the compass and like, right, that's the point I need to run to. So yeah, yeah. there are a, a few little tricks I think by because the trouble is with a lot of the bags now, they don't necessarily have the side pouches, the, the lighter ones. Um, yeah. And so you've either got to, as you say, risk it that you're never going to need to get anything out of your bag, or you, there are some ultra shorts. I mean, the two X you've got some really good ultra shorts with about five pockets in, and that's where you can get all your gels. Um, or your, you know, your shop blocks or your bars, whatever it is you're taking, and still have enough space to, to put your salt tablets and other aspects in without having the need for side pockets on your bag. Yeah, no, definitely. So what's next for you then? Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm off uh, next month racing in the UK 100k champs, um, the Anglo-Celtic plate. What's uh, the prediction? I'll, I'll ask you in a month's time. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. My, my body feels great. I'm still sort of yeah. doing a, a slightly lower mileage week this week, um, but then should have sort of two weeks really focused training, sort of doing a lot of running sort of in my sort of LTP zone, uh, but then also at my predicted 100k speed, um, yeah. just to get used to that speed, just to pace it. As you see a lot of in these longer races and into 24 hour racing. You see a lot of guys going off way too fast uh, and sort of wheels end up falling off. Um, so I think just having, doing, a, doing like what James Cracknell did in the marathon, just sticking to, sticking to your speed um, throughout is, is pretty important. Um, yeah. So I'll be racing that at the end of May and then end of June, I'm racing in Switzerland uh, at the Eiger 
that's 101 kilometer, very hilly, pretty technical um, course. But I'll, I'll look to get out there a little bit before uh, and just do a bit of a bit of practice on the mountains. Um, and then that's looking sort of slightly further ahead. Uh, I'll be doing a doing a marathon in October at some point, um, probably in in the Netherlands. A nice flat course. Um, before then, potentially doing MDS Peru in November, December, um, and then on to MDS Morocco this time next year. Brilliant. Well, Amazing. If, if people want to follow you and to just see what you're doing in training, or uh, do you have a, a blog, do you have social media page, anything like that? They can... Yeah, so I'm uh, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook uh, and if you just search for Tom Evans Ultra uh, you'll find me there brilliant have you got any advice for any first time MDSs for next year uh, I think sort of my be aware advice, beware I'm coming for everyone <laughs> my advice is just firstly decide what type of competitor you're going to be whether you're going to compete in it or you're out there to just complete it that will then inform all of your your kit choices, whether you try and get down to a six and a half kilo pack and not be particularly comfortable during the week, or you go for that 10 to 12 kilo pack and you've got lots of nice food, uh, an iPod, you've got your, your phone so you can take pictures um, and you can have, you do you do that race for, for those reasons. Um, mm. But then you, you, you've got to enjoy it. It's just the most, I've just had the most amazing journey in the lead up to Martin de Saab during the race and now afterwards, it's still incredibly surreal uh, what's happened. Um, and you've just got to remember why why you're doing it. And people do it for all sorts of different reasons, whether you're raising money for a charity or you're doing it because a friend came 501st the year before and you want to beat 500. Um, and it's, it's just trying to stay sort of as, as focused as you can on the reason why. Uh, while you're doing these races but then also just when you're out there remembering what you're doing yeah. how incredible the actual experience is you're in you're in the Sahara Desert running across it it's something that not many people only less than 1500 people get the opportunity to do it every year um, and it is it is a fantastic and incredibly incredibly special event which is also very achievable um, so I think as long as you as long as you prepare physically uh, and then you get into the correct mindset for the race um then i think it's, it's very achievable and can even be enjoyable uh, at times well good luck with the the prep for next year i think it's it's really exciting to finally have what looks like a, a genuine threat to the the moroccans kind of domination of the event um and it'd be interesting to see how they respond as well because i'm sure they're going to take notice and actually be tracking your trading and it could be that you're doing something that they're not and, uh, and they're going to have to respond. So, uh, yeah, good luck with the preparation. L keep in touch and let us know how it's all going. Um, yeah, I'm sure, of course. I'm, I'm sure we're going to be tracking MDS next year again. Um, but, yeah, thanks for coming on. And, yeah, I wish you all the best with, with all your future races. Yeah, good thanks. luck, Tom. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, JD. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean... I, I always find it. I mean, he's he's almost too humble, isn't he? It's quite hard to. I know. Tell. I know. That's that's typical. That's British Army for you, isn't it? It's like yeah, I, it's a privilege for me to be so good. Damn yeah, you! He, he's the type of guy who probably 
who won as India back in the day. <laughs> yeah, by accident. It just like I just, <laughs> yeah. I just walked in. I walked in. Um, I, I shook a couple of hands, and all of a sudden, we we owned uh, a quarter of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really hard to tell because um, he's obviously an amazing athlete, but I I can't I haven't really got a sense of how prepared just how prepared he was in his training in my, his kit in it's his all mind games his, his mind games are incredible you did, we didn't realize we were being played yeah completely yeah he's probably he's probably only come on the podcast just in case the moroccans are listening for next year <laughs> so you can psych him out this is his pre-game he's building up already well we are we are translated into into french um, <laughs> as well as spanish and so um in, in all likelihood they're probably listening to this <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what happens next year and even in the other because the there's this the, the ultra tour i don't really know that much about it i know elizabeth's done it elizabeth barnes there's a really cool one in i think costa rica's in it and but i don't think they're as competitive because probably because i don't think the moroccans get free places at them oh, um, really? or, re- or reduced places I, yeah. I don't know if they necessarily get free ones for mds either, but I, I i assume it's reduced dramatically reduced from the the three thousand pounds that the uk <laughs> yes have to the pay. thing that's that's 30 times their their annual wage i imagine yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah i mean good luck to him it's gonna be exciting because he does know in call as well now and elizabeth also and and that between those two and the advice they've got and the experience they have he could go into it potentially better prepared than moroccans because they might not even be doing yeah, everything I, right. But what I found, what I found really interesting about that was, um, uh, and I don't, I think he said he, he said this off off uh, off recording. So I don't mm. know, I don't know whether the listeners heard this, but it, it was basically saying that the, um, the the army won't support ultra running, didn't they? Yeah, which was which was really interesting. Yeah, because they, I think he they back him if he was going to do the inter military yeah. um, road running championships. And it sounds as if there's not a lot of competition there because I can't imagine there would be if he's a you know, two twenty man. <laughs> no, I don't imagine he is. I imagine that you know, they would just just clean up. Which makes me think, what what sort of stuff do the military back then? Because you'd think the obvious one would be for them to support OCR. Yeah. Why do they not have a military team? Yeah. Why don't? Yeah. Oh, is there? I was going to say, why don't they have a military team in there? Well, there is one, but I don't know if it's officially endorsed. I think it might be more um, X. I think it's Jay. Uh, Jay runs it. It might be X servicemen or people that were involved in the army, but I don't think it's an officially because actually, if anything, it's, it's a brilliant recruitment tool for yeah. the army. Yeah. Because um, you know you do OCR a bit and you you get convinced that it's just it's just a lifetime of doing OCR and then you're, you're being shot to death in Afghanistan. <laughs> It's yeah. not like nuts. <laughs> yeah, Summer Nuts is the top gun of uh, <laughs> recruitment tool. Yeah, that's it. But you'd have thought there must be a compromise where if he, I, I can't imagine there are that many races in the road racing calendar for the army. Um, you'd have thought he'd be able to just do their races as well as... What, is it, they're allowed, he's allowed to do the older shot 10K or something like that, and that's it. It's only, only things which, which have to have a military uh, element to it. Yeah. Yeah, see, but you'd have you'd have thought they'll they'll wisen up to it. I, I think what he needs is someone like Prince Harry to do it, and suddenly the whole world will be watching. He's military as well, and then the army will be wanting their boys to yeah, be smashing yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and he he can probably. 
I'd, I'd imagine just from his accent, he'd uh, he'd be able to, to to track down Prince Harry pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just he probably just up, had to look look more closely in the bars. He's already drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, it's been MDS this year for the Dude Badders. It's oh, been incredible. It has been incredible. It's been just like the the level of. Um, uh, the level of interaction, and uh, and it's good to know that so many of the comments got through, um, and and yeah. and I think you know probably the defining phrase from this year's <laughs> MDS is if you see G Law punch him in the face because yeah. everyone seemed to come, come back from the MDS. People who knew nothing about the podcast and nothing about G Law seem to have joined the the Facebook group under the basis that they want to find out who this G Law is who they need to punch in the face. Yeah, and even at Pantley Customs they pulled him aside to give him a kick. They said this is from uh, from the Queen. So uh, yeah, poor G Law. I mean, he didn't have enough on his plate. No. He did. He did amazing. He did amazing. I think he was a really good sport. I mean, he was an unwitting sport. He did. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he was a sport whether he liked it or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a sport in the same way that the um, the hanging donkey full of sweets is a sport. When the uh... <laughs> yeah, the pinata. Yeah, he was, <laughs> the, piano, piano, he, he was the pinata. The pinata of the desert. Oh, that yeah. would have been amazing. It was calling the pinata of the desert. <laughs> It's probably got a really beautifully sounding name in, uh, in, in French or Spanish, whichever. I don't know what they... What they well, I, don't, I think Spanish for piñata is piñata. Oh, that would probably be it, yeah. <laughs> piñata des, deserto. El, el piñata de... Oh, no, what's... Well, let's just mix it. La piñata de sable. Yeah, <laughs> piñata de sable. He's got to get that tattooed with his Iron Man tat. But, yeah, um, but he can, that's the thing. He can legitimately have... The two uh, tattoos that, that we oh, want. That's so, why you have two calves. Yeah. One each. It makes sense it. now. And then, and then park one across the buttocks. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. Feet. Race for life across the chest. <laughs> <laughs> With the O of the four being, <laughs> being the A-hole. But um, yeah, I think someone posted in the group that Bad Boy Running was officially the 15th biggest country at the MDS this year. Um, I, I understand that we have been approached by the UN um, with a seat, so we need, we're looking for a UN representative for, for bad boy running. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's true, Serbia are already threatening to invade us. Do we have any Serbians listening? That'd be very interesting if we do. Hopefully, potentially one. I've got a Serbian friend. Maybe he listens. It's possible. But um, yeah, the, I mean, what a year. It, it, we had... Um, I mean, some friends didn't even make the start line, which was crazy. Um, Jenny Davies, she um, she was in hospital the night before the MDS. Oh, yeah. Pulled up, was it? Um, boozing. Boozing, was it? Boozing. <laughs> boozing. Berber Palace, night before. Ooh. Yeah, she went too hard on the Banks methods and uh, <laughs> yeah. ended up on a drip. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't whiskey you were drinking. They don't have whiskey there. Don't drink oh, it. It must have been a nightmare for her because she was actually sponsoring um, female team. One of the first, I think it's, it's the first kind of pro um, female ultra teams of its sort, um, taking women from countries that don't necessarily do a lot of ultra running. So kind of Afghanistan, Iran, she'd put in, she'd sponsored a Moroccan female runner. Um, so, oh, what, I mean, what a nightmare. So she's been out there training with uh, the Ansels. Oh, yeah. Who were the you know the legends of MDS and so all that build up and then I think it's bronchitis or something 
something as random as that. And yeah, ended up. You I would I was... never have thought you would have got bronchitis uh, in that environment. I mean, that is so unlucky. Yeah, I know. Just crazy the timing of it. And I didn't even realise I was. I'd messaged Steve from from Run Ultra because I I just couldn't find her when I was trying to track her number. She wasn't popping up. So yeah, we had one fatality um, before it even kicked off, and then I think we had Steph Steph Morgan day two. Um, sadly, she I think she just hadn't. I'm not sure if she hadn't trained enough or her feet. Um, then Pip Pip on day three. Yeah. Bear behind. I mean, she was. She was looking like a legend. She was power walking around. Um, but I think after that, everyone else. I oh, know Ian Banks. Oh, did you hear about Ian? Uh, didn't it, what, was it just before 200, 200K mark, wasn't it? What happened Something, to him? Yeah, 10K left on the long day. Oh, no. Forcibly removed. Oh, really? Yeah, well, oh, I mean. Because maybe... he was hammered. What was the, what was the, <laughs> is, is he Sorry. a proper do-badder? It's the last checkpoint of the long day. Yeah. And, um. I think it was still nighttime, and uh, actually maybe it's in the day. But he 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 wasn't looking in the best shape, and the medics uh, the medics said that he had a choice. He was either um, going off in uh, they were either taking him in the car or else they were taking him straight to hospital. And he said he felt fine. You know, he wasn't a hundred percent, but he. He said he was fine to walk the last 10k, but they just wouldn't let him because of um, just because the medical when it, it came up and they said it was too risky. Really? And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything more frustrating. But then they're the experts. They they see people every year. You know, they they know what the re, you know. I, I guess as well, they they probably know what, in these exercises no better than you do as a runner. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it's yeah, it's really difficult to judge if you're you're in that state. Yeah, and I'm sure you're also a heightened um, situation where you you will do whatever it takes to go on. I mean, Ian's been yeah, yeah. And by that we mean you're starting to get a bit fighty. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean he, he'd been building up to this for a year and a half as well, and he'd lost a lot of weight. He was he was looking good for it. Um, yeah, he was with the walking for the wounded team as well. Oh really? So, oh okay, okay. Oh no. Yeah, I think he also had that extra yeah. feeling of not letting the team down, and it, it sounded like it was. Well, of course they were all in the same um, in the same team with uh, the double amputee guy Duncan. Yeah. And, yeah. So brutal, but wow! I mean, the rest of them incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Gilor, Pete. Um, so. There was, a, lost. there was a little bit of a battle between them. I know there was no real indication that it was going to be a battle, but but the fact that there was that little, um, uh, you know, that frisson of um, excitement, like who's gonna, who is actually going to come in first? Is it? Yeah, it be... and I don't think they they really knew it was going to happen either. Either I think it was a complete surprise to them both. But they had shocking days, different days. It almost seemed as if they were having alternate days where. Pete, he mistaped his toe on the second day and from that just started getting this huge hole in his, his big toe. Yeah. Then his little toes were going. He's got some, some really good diaries where at the end of each day he, he records a little video on YouTube. So if you look up Mudskull on YouTube, it's on there. Uh, and you can see day by day his feet are just falling apart. And I think G-Law was... G-Law kind of 
underestimated the first day, I think, powered back the second day. And then just whenever it became hot, he, he couldn't run. He was just dying in the heat. So I think it came down to the last day where they were both top 100 and um, G-Law wilted in the sun and Pete beat him overall by two minutes and two places. Oh, is that it? Is that what it was down to? Yeah. Oh, no. I don't, do you know what? I'd have hated going into that last day knowing that you had to... Yeah, there, there, there would be a race. Oh, God, that would just be awful. And a race that's only about ego and bragging rights. The most important yeah. race of all. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like possibly 15,000 people who are going to hear about it when you get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, there must have been... Well, I mean, Lee Stewart was dishing out so much abuse to uh, oh my goodness his to, to everyone actually yeah. but but yeah especially g-law i think he was uh, getting a lot of chat about pete and um i mean things they they both did so well i mean that's yeah i i mean that for for g-law that's amazing i mean he you know for for a triathlete to uh ah. you know to, to to do that well without without a bike or having to swim i mean just marvelous work marvelous yeah. work yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might mean that more Iron Men are gonna do the MDS now. That's the only, that's the only problem. But uh, yeah, it was incredible, incredible year. I think. Um, and from watching Pete's diaries, my impression of the first few days was that they were probably easier than ours. But then it seemed like their long day was an absolute monster. Yeah. Just huge amounts of sand. He, he said there was about twenty k of dunes, from forty to sixty k. Which is that's oh. the th- that's third lats of nuts territory, isn't it? You know, if you break it down, it's um, the worst time to get something like that. So that must have been soul destroying. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you know, something's coming because the thing is, you know, you know, it's it's like once you uh, we've talked about it so many times, and every, mm. all the coverage um, of you know past people talk about it. You're either going to get hit with something on the very first day. Which is going to be there to try to like destroy you and mm. really hit, or it's coming later. And it's almost, I think it's almost better to have it the first day um, because you sort of, you've got your measure of it. Whereas if it comes later, you don't know when it's coming. And to, to be hit on the long day is a, is a, that's a tough one. You know, four yeah. days in on the longest day. Um, I mean, you've got less, you've got less stuff in your pack though. So, you know, yeah. you should be a little bit lighter. You should be a bit more acclimatized. should be better um, at running on sand by then. Yeah, you should, you, should, if you, <laughs> you should know how to run on sand by then. If you haven't learned how to run on sand by then, you are in trouble. But, yeah, but, I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't make it any easier, like, jeans. I mean, jeans are just, yeah. are just awful. I think psychologically, though, the long day, once you start it, you know, you're in for the long day. You're going to yeah. slog it out. I, I had this impression when I went into the long day thinking... Well, they're not going to make they're going to make the long day relatively simple compared with um, uh, like all all the previous days. There's not going to be dunes. There's not going to be too much sand. It's just going to mm. be you know a straight out thing. And it and it wasn't like that at all. It was just I, it was you know the terrain and stuff was all you know was almost as difficult um, as like the second and third day. Um, and then you start getting the jebbles, and I'm just like, I think they're really putting this stuff on the long day. That's 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 crazy. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's ridiculous. So there, there isn't any let up. There's no there's no let up from it. But um, but yeah, yeah. Having, having dunes on that, that's um, that's how I expect you. Know, and that's it. You know, you're, while your pack may be lighter and you may become more acclimatized, your feet are going to be in a state 
your feet oh, yeah. are that's it your body is deteriorating yeah. um and so hitting the hitting the hard set. but then it's all hard isn't it that's the thing you know that's the challenge of it every year isn't the same um you know in terms of even like the temperature makes a change even though the the, the route pretty much stays the same but um but yeah, you know, that's it. You have to just, you have to learn to adapt, and the people that adapt best are the ones that, all the people who can cope with the degradation the best, are the ones that succeed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But um, well, that, that's that's MDS for another year, I guess. Yeah, looking forward to it next year. Who's going? I I I know a couple of people doing it next year, and surely there's a lot of people who who are. I mean, there literally must be no one left who hasn't done the MDS now, <laughs> wasn't there? I mean, it is yeah. everybody. I mean, after. After I popularised the MDS um, uh, with my with my writings in men's running and um, various other publications, it's just everyone's jumped on the bandwagon, um, and, and there literally is no one left, no one left yeah. now to to, to 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 boast to it about. Yeah, it's true, and and in a way, it's it's um, it's a good thing because it then comes down to finishing position rather than just completion. So yeah, but, uh, no, but that, but, no, but that doesn't that doesn't favour. The pioneers of the NDS, like myself in those early years, who it was just, you know, it was hard enough completing it, let alone, you know, racing. If I'd have known, if I'd have known that, you know, people were going to be going like top 10 finish and stuff, I'd have pushed, I'd have pushed a little harder. <laughs> well, good thing is they've got the one in Peru now, so you can take on a new challenge. Well, they've got a half, no, well, a half one, haven't they? Is, it, is that Lanzarote? Yeah, it's interesting, it? the half one. I, I, I think it'll be quite popular, but. But, but what's the point yeah honestly what's the point it's like having a half iron man like what's the point it's a training run for the proper one surely that's that's how you view it i think people might i don't know what the pricing's like there because um i mean how does it actually work the the half is it the same number of days but half the distance or are they shortening the days or um i have no idea i i it's like their typical mds uh website they, have, they haven't really bothered doing an english version properly um <laughs> and so you know just trying to find out pricing and stuff like that's just it's just it's, it's just typically french isn't it in, in the way you know, try and find out any information about it the peru one i'm quite surprised about because that's that's for like november this year yeah yeah well apparently so i've heard a few stories from pete actually um it's reminding me of a couple of others so one of them was once they'd finished and they were waiting for the award ceremony oh they weren't they up had, selling they weren't they had they were... 40 minutes of selling them on peru <laughs> 40 minutes of different videos on it and they're just sat there thinking look mate I, I get it but sometimes less is more what oh doesn't make any this sense. is why this is why you should never um you should never hire um a, a french marketer um <laughs> because they'll just try to do it they won't listen to it won't listen if you're high marketers hire americans they will know the exact distance in time that you need because what you need to be doing you need to you need to upsell them at that moment where they get home and they start telling people about it and the photos yeah. and that's when you hit them with the upsell when they get yeah, their remorse. Yeah, when they get yeah, that's it. When they start when, when they're on the down. They come down. They're yeah. On the come down. That's when you hit it. Not when their feet are still bleeding and they're pissed off with the race <laughs> organization because they can't get to the bar because they've gone you... sat around for 40 minutes. So then um Pete and Andrew, Andrew Fergus, um they they realized they actually had beer this year at the end. Did they? Which I think it's a first. Yeah, which is amazing. And that's what that's what the do better power has. They realise yeah. that we we you know we were going on mass and there'll be a riot 
at the end <laughs> of all, all 14 or 16 or however many it was. But instead of punching their cards, they were just using a pen and they realised that they could rub it off by licking it. Oh <laughs> so my God. It's just had repeated bits. So they were getting out. So yeah, everyone else had a beer. <laughs> they were getting hammered at the back. But um, when they got to their rest day and they were given a Coke, did you hear about this? No. They were given a, a, a Coke and it was, um, I think it was Diet Coke or Pepsi Max. They call oh, it that. It's right. Coke Zero. Oh, so, no. So they're given a zero calorie Coke. You think the one time where you're desperate for sugary goodness. I like it. Our year, um, it wasn't a Coke, it was a Pepsi. It was like a Pepsi Max or something. Uh, and I was like, I've waited for this. And it's not <laughs> Coke. And it's not cold. I don't know why I expected it to be cold. Well, because I, I imagine that they've got refrigeration in the uh, in the French part. Um, and I was like, I'm just not going to bother. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I just didn't buy. I gave it to someone else. I'm like, you have it. I'm not. I, I was told I was going to have Coke. This yeah. is this is the worst hotel I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I assume they probably just went to the cash and carry and it was on sale. Or... <laughs> Do they have a cash and carry and wazzes out of a book is there or something? <laughs> yeah, or, or that's just, what's wrong. Just went to an Asda. Just get the cheap stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, what what else is new with you? Um, I'm trying to think where we where we're meant to be currently in in, t- in our the, timeline. I remember I've been on holiday. I've been on holiday. And you've been uh-huh. to the running awards. Oh, so I need, to know, I need to know about the running awards. It's oh, the second wow. time I've missed it. So yeah. I, I don't understand. I thought you were going to the running awards to record an episode of Bad Boy Running and interview people. Well, it, it's almost turned out that I just went there and I don't even know if anything's coming out of it. So it, it, <laughs> it started off like that. And, but then the idea was that when the winners and the, the special guests came off stage, I'd then interview them backstage. A, bit, a little bit like kind of Oli Murs in ITV2, a really cheesy spin-off where oh, yeah. Then, yeah. That, they'd then put that on the internet and so people could then get a bit more coverage back behind the scenes. But I don't know what's happened to it. I don't know, if it actually, I don't, I don't know what their plan for it is because... A lot of the questions I was asking was, you know, so what's your advice for for the marathon this weekend? <laughs> so we're now <laughs> two weeks on, and yeah, there's. Um, so oh, so so it wasn't it wasn't like broadcast live. It wasn't done through like Facebook Live or YouTube Live or anything else like that. No, they had a professional cameraman in, and uh, and it was really good fun. We had this little area backstage where unlimited drinks, and it was a. An area just for the filming, so they could come and sit down on the stools, yeah. and some really cool people there. Um, there, I mean, Dame Kelly Holmes was there as the kind of guest of honor. Yeah, uh, she's a legend. And then they had Bruce um, Forsyth. Uh, Bruce Forsyth, right? <laughs> that would have been you, great. <laughs> you probably didn't realise, but he's won Comrades Marathon nine times. Has <laughs> he really? Yeah, it's similar to that actually. It starts with an S. I think it's four dice. Bruce four dice. So he was there, and he's he's done comrades thirty times now. How many times? Uh, it, oh, oh no, comrades have been around for ages, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he's he's still got the world record for fifty miler. So the guy is an incredible runner. Uh, didn't want to talk at all about 
comrades though. <laughs> 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 hey, do you know when you're just seeing someone's eyes, they just glaze over. But then he's now in charge of Park Run in South Africa. And, uh, oh man, the guy's got a passion for that. It's really nice to see, actually. And you think of Park Run over Did here. You, oh, please tell me you kept saying race. Please oh, tell I should, me. I should have done. Oh, I don't know if I did. I I'd, I'd probably got caught up in the professionalism at the moment, which is so unlike us. Um, but you think about park race over here and, you know, it's very much a kind of Middle England type activity, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. It's just absolutely. It's all very, I mean, it's brilliant, but it's all very nice. And But you think about it over there in the townships and places like that and uh, it, it's completely different and he's he's so passionate about it and he was saying how you know it is having a massive impact in these townships where they might not be um having any kind of formalized sport in yeah. that sense other than you know kicking the ball around or cricket um but to then suddenly have all these these activities that bring people together every week where the the, the local kids can probably thrash um thrash the likes of us um and so, yes, it's, it was really, really interesting. So he was there, um, Martin yelling from our rival, Marathon Talk was there. And did you, did you psych him out? Well, I don't know if he even knows that we exist still. <laughs> well, this was your opportunity. Did you say, hi, it's, uh, it's David from uh, Bad Boy Running, the uh, number one uh, rated by its listeners podcast on uh, iTunes. Well, I no, I, I don't think I've, um, I I probably introduced myself to him as, uh, but I'd, I'd actually been at the 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 expo the day before for. Um, oh, because you were pacing, you were pacing, weren't you? Yeah, so, yeah, on the stand for run as well, and so he was there, and um, so, so I, I think I'm one of those guys he just sees everywhere, and he doesn't quite understand who I am. Um, and <laughs> well, wait was, a minute, wait a minute, that sounds like he who should not be named. You see him everywhere, and no one and no one knows why he's there. But I'm just ruining everything. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the difference. That's right. Halfway through an award, I just decided that you go and do a. Is it a yeah. Kanye? No awards this year. No, no. no. It should it should be bad boy running. Jody, where are you, Jody? This this is for you, Jody. It's not Taylor Swift. The Oscar goes to. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it was it was a really good night. We we I started off backstage with just getting changed and first person I met. Obviously, Mike Bushell. Oh my God! What was it like? Was it, it? Was it? Was there like a slow motion moment when your eyes met? <laughs> well, I I was quite hesitant because I I wasn't sure whether he'd have potentially have been told that we were backstage, who we were. Yeah, there's and... no way he, he, he even on his radar. Surely, apart from the fact that we promoted his book more than his publisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine we'd be on his radar, but but then some people, you know, consummate professionals, when they they find out that someone else is is going to be working with them, they then be like, all right, I might check that out. And I'd imagine, given that we've been slating <laughs> the, the, the uh, best bits pretty much constantly got, for the last year, I think I think he sold like four copies last year because of uh, Dubalas, which is almost a three hundred percent rise in yeah. their sales. So he he must be aware. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope so, but well, I kind of, I had a little bit of dread, worrying that he might know that we've spent a lot of time uh, just taking the mick, and I, I don't think he had a clue who we were, thankfully. And he was just within about a second, I just thought, I feel so bad. He's such a nice guy. He's such, he's honestly so friendly. He's a hasher. Oh, is he really? 
Yeah, and I, I think he even knows my dad from hashing because he he lives near Winchester, which is where I grew up uh, part of my teenage years. Um, and my folks based, and they hashed with Worthy Winchester, so he knew my, my dad was grandmaster and, and various other positions with them for the last 20 years so knew my dad he's a hasher he's such a good lad really really just just really lovely friendly um so he's, fa- he's almost family for you he is he is he's always, oh we this bonded, is oh definitely. it seems like you did bond but then um, there's more bushel about you than you realize yeah absolutely but the i mean the, the night kind of progressed and um it was. I mean, it was a great night. Anyway, they they had some ridiculously fancy um, food going around the bar uh, at the start, and then we had the meal. And I think when the award ceremony came off, that's when I went backstage to do the interviews. Yeah. And um, many turned up with uh, with a date, and so he come back. He came he came backstage and, and on the free booze, and Mike was inviting them back to his room for a party. <laughs> Mene, Mene wasn't sure whether he was like, oh yeah, 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 and kind of flattered, and but he wasn't sure if it's, is is this an invite? Like, yeah, we're all going back to mine for an after party. Yeah, come along, it's gonna be great. It was just the, hey, do you want to come back to mine for an after party? <laughs> and um, and um, I wasn't sure either. We you know the, the tone of the, of the invite, but as the as the evening progressed. It, it did. It did become apparent that more people were being invited to this after party. So it, was, it wasn't some weird, some weird, uh, some weird Mene on bushel action. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. I, I, I think um, from what I can gather, he'd he wanted to have a kind of after party for a while, and I don't think it ever caught a head of steam previously and, and got the momentum to actually happen, but. As soon as we finished our interviews, we were in a room full of booze. Um, Harry, fan of BMF, he was on our table um, for the for the dinner. The guys I knew from um, from Sis, Seb, they were they were on the table as well. So we then just grabbed all the bottles of, of prosecco, just went out, started dishing it out to everyone, and telling everyone we've, they've got this huge after party. <laughs> so, <laughs> the end of the night comes and we just go back to this sky bar in a in a hotel with like mike from 2xu and uh just just quite a few of the the people who who i love dearly and it's brilliant yeah just just all going back um boozing it with who we meet there was just one race who were incredible the edinburgh the marathon I didn't, I'm not sure if they were there. I didn't meet them. They oh, were. were they not? I was going to say, what? now they're the ones that if you came up against, that would be yeah, that would be embarrassing. Well, that's the thing. I knew all the winners before they were announced. And did. Yeah, it was hard because people kept on saying like, oh, yeah, I'm up for an award. You know, I'm going for this award. And I'd be thinking, oh, no, I don't think you've got it, buddy. But then loads of the people who, who I knew won anyway. Um, the, the Poppy Run, the BMF oh, back. Oh, nice, uh, nice. So they won, I think it was new event, best international race. Sierra Leone, wasn't it? Sierra Leone, yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. Um, so they won that one, and um, but the I can't remember it was a new new race or half marathon, but the Rygate half marathon. Those guys, that's the one that Dame Kelly had been supporting. So <laughs> about ten of them came backstage. I think the other guy who was organising it was called Dave. 
And man, that guy was a legend. He was so happy, so oh, boozed was he? up. Was he? So yeah, and I, I think as well that's when because there, there was a little bit of skepticism towards the running awards because it's it's not done by the industry. Yeah. It's but in a way it's independent, which is good. But it's done by votes, which is good in some ways, but bad in but some if ways. If you're bad boy running, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad for us good for the big brands but then if you're someone like Raygate Half and you win half marathon of the year I mean that that could have a massive impact yeah, on yeah. your race yeah you can see that it can, it can make a big difference for some of them um, and so in yeah. some of the cases a popular vote is actually a great thing um, yeah yeah and then in others but I mean how, there's still a load of awards that were like triathlon based awards or awards that had nothing to do with running that's what really pisses me off <laughs> What's like, like, how many times has, like, Book of the Year been won by a bloody uh, triathlete or something? What was Book of the Year this year, then? I don't know. I don't know. Because not everyone came backstage, but they, yeah, they had a lot of awards that, uh, possibly too many, but but then, if you're the running awards, it's, it's, the more awards you do, the more people get involved. Why do they not have Best Podcast? That's what I just don't understand. I know we still wouldn't win it, but it seems (laughs) such an obvious one. I mean... Uh, yeah. yeah, it just seems like, what, like the community thing is fine and everything, but like best podcast, yeah, or best podcast with its main branding red, or best. The podcast, only trouble is what? if they do best podcast and we still don't make the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be maybe they just be a little maybe, bit maybe they're just not. Right, so okay, all right, so let's cut to the chase. thing. so have you actually got any recorded material we can use? in a podcast um well um sam said he'd send over the footage if he wanted it so we could actually have professionally done interviews they some of them are, some of them are good like i met the guy ben uh i think his name's ben smith who did the 401 marathons yeah um and that guy was just lovely he was such a nice bloke and so honest and so some of the interviews are really interesting but then some of them i interviewed asics i interviewed nike i interviewed adidas and they were the worst interviews ever because you go yeah you won seven awards <laughs> in different why do you think people like your shoes they'd say something we, we spend a lot of money on, on brand marketing uh, and we're yeah. basically we've got a total monopoly in all of the running shops so <laughs> and, that, and that was the thing i couldn't really they they wouldn't really want to talk about anything off brand Nike guys wouldn't talk about the sub two project. Well, they're not. Uh, no, no. I think because I think if, if you imagine you're them, you're you're someone who's a you know marketing director, UK marketing manager, whatever your position may be, you're probably not involved in it. But also, you, you're, pro- you, you're probably not a runner. <laughs> you, you might not be a runner. You've not been briefed Sorry, on. We're cyclists. We're all cyclists. Uh, we just yeah. we just we just market the stuff. And, and you've probably not been briefed on what the official line is, or you don't know what you can say, what you can't say. And and for them, they're probably worried about what if I say something out of line, this could, I could get me in trouble. So there now, quite that, a few. That was your job. That was your job, David, to get the people from the big brands in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get, no, them, to, you, get them to say something racist, something incendiary. Get them to. That's what. That's what was. You, yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed to do in these situations. Yeah. So there, I mean, there. That's, there was some really. There was a, a girl from Nickelodeon who was. I really liked her. She was fun. She was a presenter as well, and I can't remember her name now. Rachel. Rachel Stinger. She, I mean, so there's a, there's a few interviews like that with people where they 
they didn't have to worry about their brand or about what they were saying or and so they were fun and they were quality and yeah the right or, game or they were so hammered it didn't matter <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't yeah. be able to they wouldn't be able to stop talking about being off brand anyway so yeah there was a little bit of that um but it i, I don't know if he, he's going to use a footage now because it, it it's almost too late to put out i mean they could use it for next year but i think it footage like that has got a, a shelf life and and that, that's off. gone <laughs> yeah i think yeah it has gone so hopefully we can still use it because you know sam the 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 organizer he's such a nice guy um i actually went out for a pint with him claire and i did um and yeah he's just just really good laugh so i'd hate for it to, to come to nothing and also because i want to go back next year <laughs> i want to so, do the same thing again so, so basically so what happened was you went along you interviewed all these people in return you were given a load of free booze and some of which you nicked that booze so effectively you <laughs> they just got a free presenter for the evening yeah <laughs> to present nothing <laughs> to present nothing that's going to be broadcast who was who was more than happy to do that just for booze i mean i'd work for booze we all know this <laughs> it's um uh, and I, I think it added a little bit to the night but the the other thing was i i wanted to dress in a way that made it obvious that i was different from the main ceremony so i had my you know my gold top yeah oh you're so wearing, wearing that, that were you right okay yeah with a with a horrible brown shirt underneath but if you weren't one of the winners and, and not all of the winners came through if you weren't one of the people who came through to be interviewed i was just a bloke wearing the most <laughs> disgusting clothing for absolutely no reason who then wasn't even there during the awards. So the weirdest thing possible. Go into this room with this weird-looking man now and talk to him. Yeah, who you've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, and so, I mean, it was such a good night, though, and I want to go back next year, even if they're not doing the interviews. But um, that's the thing. If, if You've got to come along next year, because it was great. Susie Chan was there, so I got to catch up with her, and Sean was there, and uh, Tom who we just interviewed was there and um yeah it's, it, was, it was really a pit pull pull from run 24 7 just a whole load of people that you only get to meet two or three times a year at these types of bashes and quite a few of them were going hard i was quite surprised by it given that the london marathon was sunday and they a lot of them still had to get up to be on the exhibition stands the next day um yeah i mean we got kicked out about 2 30 from uh from the hotel so yeah quality night all right thank you good. thank you sam and thank you the running awards all right cool. we've changed our opinion of the running awards haven't we well you know free booze what can you say yeah no, that's it like if you <laughs> if you said that like basically you're going to be doing a load of like free presenting um interview a load of people you don't have a choice over you're not going to be getting any footage from it you can't really use any of it for <laughs> thing. but but you will be getting free booze i'll be like yeah all right <laughs> yeah absolutely literally they, you'll, uh, get, you'll get to meet gary so mike mike <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like so next year what we need to do i need to make sure that i am actually around on that day we yeah. need to actually know what the date is about round. See if we can do it again, and we need to come up. We need to have lines ready, ready for it. Like I suppose it's difficult because you, you've already met him, but I've not met him. So if he presents it next year, I've oh, got to, he will. I've got to, he'll I've definitely got to do. present next year. <laughs> he'll definitely. He yeah. is, 
he is he, he's doing it all for booze as well <laughs> he probably is actually <laughs> i love the fact that he wasn't he didn't make it into the morning show <laughs> bbc breakfast was missing a mic friday morning <laughs> He wasn't. He wasn't with Mene, was he? It's possible. <laughs> was Mene missing? That's the, that's the <laughs> question. All right, then, yeah. man. Um, so that yeah, that's a that's a good conclusion. So um, we've got um, what have we got coming up? We have got. Well, we've go got on. to catch up about your hundred miler. I mean, it, it's happened now, but we're obviously going to do an episode about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we're going to be talking a little bit about the London Marathon because there were. It, it didn't go well this year for them, I'd say. Ooh. Quite a few mistakes, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and I I ended up bollocking a fellow pacer, which I've never had to do, mid-race. Ooh. Shouting. as It's probably the... I can't remember a time I've shouted and told someone off as much like a head teacher tells off a child, a petulant child. Um, I felt a bit guilty about it afterwards, but it had to be done, had to be done. So we've got that to catch up. Oh, I can um, love that intrigue. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, well, we've got the Dirty Weekend coming up this weekend, um, which quite a few of us will be doing. Um, I'm going to be filming for Mudsicle. And then also the OM in Iceland. That's less than a month away Month away now. Oh, is it? And Quest Stars. Are you going to be doing Quest Stars? No, I'm not doing Quest Stars. I can't, I've, got, I've got to recover, man. I don't know how I'm going to recover. Honestly, you, it's, such, it's such a gentle... You can take it at such a gentle pace, and you'll love it. It's beautiful... It's right around the corner from you. You can do it with Chris Ince. And um, there's going to be quite a few of us there. We'll go out for drinks afterwards or we'll come for dinner around Livy's. Oh, afterwards. yeah, I appreciate but, that. But come, honestly, come. You'll, you'll absolutely love it. And you, the good thing is it's not as if you're having to run for a set distance. If you want to go slow, you go slow. If you want to stop, you stop. You can change your route. And... Um, you can jump on a bike, a bit of kayaking. It's, it's so <laughs> it good. It just sounds awful in every way. It's I, so I'm, good. I'm too knackered to run so I can jump in a kayak or get on a bike. That... You can jump on a bike. <sighs> but come on, bike's the easiest thing. Jump in an RV, I'll do it. I could do <laughs> the yeah. Bob Young method. Well, you can, you can go back and just um, chill if you want to at the transition points. Or It's so good. You've got to come out and do it. Come on, do it. I'm not, I don't know if I can be bullied into it. Another, yeah, another I'm, month. I'm going to bully you into it. I got a message today, a month away. What's a month away? Oh, beer lovers. Beer lovers. You got a message? Who from? From beer lovers. I didn't get a message. Oh, wait a minute. Was it a message or was it just something that popped up on Facebook? It might have been something that just popped on Facebook saying it's a month away. A month okay. away, and we still have no idea what we're going to dress as. Oh, man. There's just no. I, I do like someone's posted. It might have been Caroline. Um, has posted the idea of just dressing as meat i think i mean you're a vegetarian so i think that's even funnier but i mean there's we're short of ideas dressing as meat or dressing as rabbits just just dress as do badders yeah i mean i want to go with something that's that's fun but just fruit and veg it's so bad it's so bad um and, and unfortunately, we, uh, no one in the group who is going has, has come up with any inspirational ideas either. <laughs> so, do you think we just go something completely go random? Ronald McDonald's. Did you see that thing on, um, I think it was on YouTube or, or Facebook, it was a video of a bunch of, it was a stag do of um, guys dressed as Ronald McDonald 
giving abuse to a KFC. That would be so scary to see, <laughs> though. It's frightening. Oh, brilliant. No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, have a look I at like it. that. And how are the KFC reacting? Oh, you don't, you don't, see, the, don't see their reaction, but the people around them are absolutely pissing themselves laughing because <laughs> it's just so funny watching 100 people dressed like Ronald yeah. McDonald. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, well, um, well, do badders. Firstly, subscribe to the podcast if you're not doing it already. Send us in your suggestions of what we should do. Fancy dress. There's going to be 80 of us, 90 of us going. We're going to be about 10% of the race overall, slightly under 10%. Yeah. And, we need so, to, and, and the other thing is that the, the costumes or something, they need to be something that is relatively easy to source. Yeah. You know, um, which is why this fruit and veg thing doesn't work. Easy uh, to source, good for men and women, good for all sizes. Yeah, not it doesn't too matter. And the thing is, it doesn't matter if it's weirdly random. It just needs to be. Yeah. It just needs to be funny. Funny, yeah, exactly. Funny that isn't too offensive. <laughs> so, for example, it wasn't necessarily funny, but Medoc last year, I can't remember what the theme was, but we didn't like it, so we just all went dressed in Union Jacks, and that was brilliant because you could spot everyone else. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Jane. I'm I'm stood up because I need the toilet, so I'm just doing a little jig. All oh, right, man. But, I thought. Um, he's, well, I'm actually staring at um, David now, and he's in his dressing gown. So when he stood up and starts jiggling around, I, I worry. I worry. <laughs> I've got stuff underneath. Next. You're right. You're oh, right. I've got okay. shorts on. But um, yeah, it was great because you could spot everyone in the Union Jack, and uh, it did look really impactful. And the French thought it was quite funny. They all loved it, and it then meant also our friends who were American they could come in the Star Spangled. Spangled Banner, whatever it's called, and Stars and Stripes. So if you've got any ideas along those lines, do let us know. Uh, write in. And we, you might end up with 90 of us doing it in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right then, man. Well, pleasure as always. And we're, we're going to be finishing off the A to Z. We've still got some interviews to come up with Jim from Rat Race, with Claire from Trail Running Magazine, anyone else you'd like to suggest and uh yeah we're gonna no more triathletes well people stop suggesting don't go oh so and so is really good really good oh but by the way they're triathletes no stop suggesting triathletes <laughs> we're not interviewing any more triathletes we're gonna we're gonna wait till jd is 40th and then sneak one on but um we might potentially have d Carnassus coming up as well oh that'd be amazing which would be cool so um yeah Subscribe, send us your uh, your letters, get in the, the Bad Boy Running Facebook group, and uh, see you soon. See you later, man. Bye bye, 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 bye